Hey guys, Mike here. I just wanted to remind you that my new book, Fuel and Fire, is now out. Uh, it is packed with all sorts of useful training tips and my philosophies on how to get better at OCR racing. Uh, you can check it out at outskirtspress.com slash fuel and fire. I'll put a link in the show notes to this episode. You can also find it on Amazon. And when you buy the book, you get access to a ton of uh, my programs at a discount rate. Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. Hello and welcome to the OCR Underground Show, episode number 78. My name is Mike Diebler, and as always, thank you for joining me and making this a part of your training routine. Uh, as always, I have a great show for you today. In this episode, uh, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to talk about some of the key, or really the key thing that I think is needed to reduce, uh, reduce injury, make yourself a little bit more resilient, and keep training, in order to keep training and and keep racing, which I know that's a big thing is people dealing with injuries. So I share some insight that I really think will be helpful there. Uh, in my research review, I'm going to talk about static stretching and really the kind of the history of static stretching before workout. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I share a really interesting article that looks at kind of the studies over the year to help you determine, hey, is what we've heard in the past really the best advice? Um, you know, it's going to depend on on a few different things there. And I have an awesome interview. I know I've uh, gone a few episodes without a special guest interview, and I've actually got a whole bunch lined up that I'm, I'm hopefully I can I can just crank them out and get some great guests for you guys because I know it's always awesome to hear other perspectives, other coaches out there, and some of the things they're doing other than the things I'm doing. So we get some some great. Uh, great advice. And uh, today I have SGX coach Francis Generali on, and he is the owner of Mud Sweat Tears CrossFit in Verona, New Jersey. He shares some awesome, uh, awesome tips, advice on some of his experience with uh, the Spartan World Championships. He's done it quite a few times and he's done it, uh, done very well, as well as being a death race finisher. So share some great insight on uh, some of the things he's doing and really help you prepare if that's uh, a path you're you're looking to take in, in your racing career. All right, but before we get into today's episode, I wanted to take a second and let you know about uh, the show's sponsors. All right, well, I have a new product alert from our friends at Venga CBD. We know how tough this year has been, and it has really been affecting many people's sleep. And if we can't get sleep, it just affects the rest of our life. And when we're looking at training, in particular for athletes, we know sleep is key. It's how we really restore, recover, uh, regenerate, so we can hit the next training day as quickly as possible. And, and when we're not getting good sleep, you know, just let's face it, our training uh, starts to suffer. So our, our friends over at Venga CD have a brand new sleep aid product that I know you guys are going to love. Uh, they call it Venga Super Sleep and it packs a serious punch with its uh, 
three ingredient combo. It has melatonin, CBD, and an all new cannabinoid CBN, which has been shown to promote sleep. So you get all three in the Venga Super Sleep and it's available now. Uh, I think they sold out of it in the first couple days, but they should be back in stock. If not, it should be back in stock very quickly. Uh, and the great thing about this product is no sleep aid hangover, as well as like all of their products, it is THC free, uh, so it's non-habit forming. You can check it out at vengacbd.com sleep. They have a great bundle offer that they're doing right now. If you buy a bottle of the Venga CBD Daily uh, CBD Ultra Gels, you can get a bottle of the Super Sleep for just $34, uh, which is typically $85. So it's a pretty good deal there. Again, go to vengacbd.com sleep, and you can check out all the details there. And then, of course, don't forget, our listeners uh, get a pretty sweet discount on top of that when you use code OCR underground. I also want to let you know about uh, Fitbar. You can check all their products out at fitbarstrong.com and they are releasing more products it seems like every week. So their inventory is uh, growing incredibly fast. Their products are made in the US. Uh, they're in stock. You can get them uh, delivered to you pretty quickly. Uh, if you're wondering where to start because they have so many products, I, I always love recommending the uh, grip balls and the nunchucks. I just think it's a great combo to have to work on a lot of different uh, grip hanging skills for a lot of the obstacles that you're going to see. Of course, they have other great products like a suspension trainer, they have the beater bar uh, rigs and much, much more. Uh, you can check them out again at fitbarstrong.com. And remember, use uh, the promo code OCR Underground to get a discount off your order. Okay, in this episode's Inside Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk a little bit about staying resilient and injury free. Now, it's impossible to eliminate all exercises, but I do think we can eliminate some and at least dramatically reduce your, reduce your risk for certain injuries. It seems like it's almost a badge of honor that you, you know, get these injuries and you tape them up and you, know, you push through a race, and I think a lot of it's unnecessary. And you know, it's, it's causing a lot of issues down the road. You know, the joints can only take so much. You might be younger and you can deal with this stuff, but if you're not taking care of it, it's, it's going to have a price at some point. And I think there's a lot we can do, a lot of simple things you can do to really manage uh, these different things. So um, first off, you know, if we're going to talk about injury, I know I've mentioned this uh, probably a hundred times before, but just have a good team in place. Have somebody you can refer to that's not the internet or not Facebook on, hey, I have this injury, you know, what should I do? Because if any answers that you get online are probably not going to be very helpful and can make things worse because that person, while they might have great intention, they don't know your body. They don't know how it happened. They don't know um, specifically how you move, any compensations you have. So injuries are very complex. So uh, it's hard to answer it with zero diagnosis at all. So have somebody local that you can go check out or go see and have them check you out and just give you better um 
specific information that's going to help you get better. So I at least want to throw that out there. That should always be your first option. Yes, I know it's a pain. Um, this doesn't mean you can't train anymore. It just might mean you have to make some modifications. So I think a lot of people are so scared that, hey, I have an injury. I If I see somebody, they're going to tell me I can't do anything. Um, that's, you know, probably not the best option, right? Unless you have a serious problem going on. But for many of these injuries, there's still workarounds that we can do and modifications. Um, but what I want to talk about really today is let's just hopefully not get to that point. I, I think we've all probably dealt with some of those reoccurring injuries where, you know, you, you um, hurt something and then it gets better. Maybe do some therapy, maybe not. Maybe just the pain goes away. And then you go back to what you normally do and then that pain pops up again and we just kind of get in this cycle. And we know the biggest predictor of, of an injury is a previous injury. So if, if you've had a previous injury, and I'm willing to bet you probably have, then we know you are significantly more likely to have another injury. And that doesn't necessarily mean the same injury. Uh, you might compensate well enough to not have that same injury again, but now something else hurts, right? So you, you, you know, twisted your ankle when you were younger, then you start running, and now it's not the ankle that hurts, but now your knee hurts, and then, you know, you get the knee better, and now your lower back hurts, and right? So this, the body is so completely connected so we're all of these injuries are going to impact other movements of the body and and can cause issues so i i think what we need is we need a smart training plan and we need a good recovery plan and obviously both of these topics we can talk for for a while but i want to be very specific at least with that training plan now i think we have to check our ego a little bit here and this is something i think that really I learned early on that I think made a big difference. I'm not gonna say that I never get injuries, right? I'm just like anybody. I'll, I'll push a little too hard sometimes, um, you know, move a little awkwardly. Thing, things happen, you know, it's, it, again, we can't avoid 100% of the injuries, but I will admit that even when I do have injuries pop up, I'm pretty quick to bounce back because I know how my body moves. I've seen people, I have people help me out when there is an issue and then I know exactly what to do to get back to it as fast as possible versus just trying a bunch of random things that I found online and, and seeing what works. I want more focus. I want to get back as, as quickly as I can. So, but I, I think the advantage that I've had um, is really understanding I do have limits and I know there are things that I just won't do. And that's okay. And I think that's that's a concept that some people have a hard time understanding. They see somebody online or somebody they know, you know, deadlift a lot of weight or, you know, do do an exercise that, oh, I wish I could do that much weight or I wish I could do that exercise. And you kind of jump in and, and your body just doesn't want to go into that position. So I'm using myself as an example. This, this has happened just so many times where I did an exercise, I paid for it. I got better, I did that exercise again, I paid for it, and there gets to be a point where you just have to say enough's enough, this exercise is just not a good fit for me. And yes, you can probably work with somebody or really train to be able to do that exercise and do it well enough to, to be able to not get hurt, but you have to know that there's a cost to that. It's gonna take a lot of time, it's gonna take a lot of backing off, a lot of modifications, and you may not be willing to do those things. Where instead, if I understand that there's certain movements and certain exercises that I really just shouldn't be doing, I eliminate those and I replace it with something else, right? Something similar, if possible. So a few examples, the two biggest ones that pop up 
in my mind for for me personally are uh, barbell deadlifts barbell back squats these were exercises that you know they're kind of staples these are ones that a lot of people probably do some people probably do them really well i just noticed that as soon as i put significant load load on either of those bad things happened right if i look at the deadlift i just wasn't able to get into that position well enough to lift a lot of weight you know if i had lighter weight on there didn't tend to be a problem but as soon as i put any significant weight on there it caused some issues and I would have some back injuries and I would, you know, nothing major, but I would just know, huh, doesn't feel right. Let me back away. Feels better. Let me try it again. And I would just keep running into the same issue. Same thing with back squats. You know, I try and put a little bit of load on there and it would cause some issues. So there's nothing in the rules that say you have to do barbell deadlift. You have to do barbell back squat. And really, I think for most people out there, they're probably going to fall in a similar boat or really you just don't need those exercises in your training routine, right? Unless you're training for a specific competition or need that movement in particular because you, you know, you're, you're doing a competition or you need to learn that lift for some, some reason. Um, I think there's way too many better alternatives that are safer, but still do very similar things that um, there's really just no need to put yourself in a position that you just can't, you can't do. So for me, you, I don't barbell back squat. I don't barbell deadlift. Those are just two exercises that I know it's just not worth it because I know there's, I, I still want to deadlift. And there's so many other ways that I can incorporate a deadlift into uh, my routine. And same with squatting, right? So back squatting is, it, it is such a hard position to get into. If you have tightness just about anywhere, your ankles, your hips, your shoulders, you shouldn't be doing barbell back squats, right? It's it's just not a good position to get in if you have some mobility restrictions, and then you just have to be strong to to put all that together. And it's and, and I shouldn't even say it's it's a strength thing because it's really you need to be able to get into certain positions. And if you can't do it, no strength training is going to get you there, right? And I I see when a lot of people they load up, particularly in a squat, because that bar and that weight gives you some stability it will kind of force you into a position and, and your body probably doesn't want to be there. So I want you to think, are there any exercises that you typically do that you kind of fall in the same boat where, you know what, when you do them, just something doesn't, doesn't like it. Now, I'm not saying you have to give up, you know, maybe you just, you really want to do that exercise. Well, then it comes a point where you need help, right? You need somebody to, to show you why those issues are coming up, right? It's, it's too hard to, to do something like a deadlift and watch yourself in the mirror or, you know, maybe you can videotape yourself, but you're not going to get that instant feedback. You're going to have to go back, watch it and, and see what's going on. But you really have to understand how mechanics, biomechanics work and, and what you would actually need help with. So you can absolutely go that route, right? Where you find somebody that can help you, you find a coach that's going to teach you it and, and go from there. Just know it's, it's going to take time, right? If you have mobility restrictions, uh, they take a little while sometimes, depending on what the restriction might be. Um, but sometimes it's not like a soft tissue issue. It's a joint issue, right? Where your joint just doesn't want to go into that position. And that's one thing I learned with squats. In particular for me, with based on my anatomy, my hips and my femur don't want to get into a nice deep squat position. And if you throw a barbell on my back, it makes it even worse. So it's just a recipe for disaster. So I can still squat. I just know there's a million other ways I can do it 
instead of a barbell back squat. So for example, for me, with my deadlifts, it's so easy to switch over to a hex bar deadlift if I wanna put significant load on there because that's way easier. I can do a high handle hold as well so I don't have to go through as much range of motion and still be able to perform the movement properly and put a little bit of load behind it. So it's, it's okay to shorten range of motion. If you know, well, I can do a certain exercise, but when I just do too much range of motion, I run into problems. Well, then what if we reduce that range of motion a little bit? Um, obviously, we want to make sure we're doing the best we can to train full range of motion. But sometimes if I'm still trying to strength train and, and add some load, I know where my high risk positions. Let's let's remove those for now while I still work on mobility. And then as I gain more mobility, you might be able to get deeper into to a position. So, uh, so easy to switch over to something like a hex bar or doing single leg deadlifts, right? This, this is a great option too, because now we're unilateral. We get to see if it's one side uh, more of an issue than the other. And in my case, that is a big part of it. So my hips don't move equally on both sides. So when I do bilateral exercises like a deadlift, one room or one side of my hip can move pretty well. The other side cannot. Right? So what happens is when I run out of room on the tighter side, the only way for me to get into position is to rotate. So now my pelvis is rotating, which is going to cause some uh, lumbar spine rotation, which is not a good position to deadlift in. So my workarounds this, reduce range of motion. If I'm going to do something like hex bar or other kind of deadlift or kettlebell deadlift, um, or I can work on it independently. Again, sticking with the range of motion that I know I can do and that I know I can do really well. And that's I think that's a key. It's not... Can you just do it? Can you do it really well if we're going to load it up there? So um, all of those are, are great exercises that I use to substitute something like the barbell deadlift. Barbell back squats, well, I can just throw other kind of squats in there. So like I mentioned, reduce range of motion. So I might just stick with a box squat. And I, I know I'm not going to back load it, but I might be able to front load it. I can, use, I can use a barbell. I can use a sandbag or kettlebell and goblet squat but I'm just gonna stick to the range of motion that I know I can do really well. And then just like um, the deadlift, throw some unilateral exercises in there. So I'll, I'll get my single leg squats in, um, split squats, things like that. So I can really work on one side or the other because I know I have mobility restrictions. Same thing will apply for the squat. If I try and get too deep into it, that's when I'm gonna see some rotation and, some, and have some problems occur. So find the exercises that you do really well and go from there and load up versus trying to force yourself into a position that you can't really do. So I think this is really the, the biggest thing that's helped me staying injury free is I've reduced, you know, exercise selection, I guess, slightly, but not, but again, it opens you up to all these other variations that I can start to implement, but I know where my limits are and I just stay away from them, right? I want a little buffer zone, right? I'm going to push myself in other areas, but when I know this is an area that causes, tends to cause problems for me, I'm just not going um, to get to mess with that, right? I want to uh, train with what I move well, and then I'll work on improving where I don't, but just know that that means you can't do certain things. One other area I wanted to touch on too is look at your volume too. You might just be doing too much, right? You're Again, we have limits, it's okay. We just wanna know these limits so I can not push them, right? And I know that might sound backwards, right? We're always trying to push our limits. You're gonna get better, but we're, we're talking in a little bit differently here, right? Where if I know this is my breaking point um, and I tend to have problems come up, 
I want to push that breaking point further and further away, but I can't pass it, right? Because if I just can't do something, I can't do it yet. But I want to do as much as I can do within my limits. So um, to make hopefully more sense of this, think of running. Like I have a lot of clients that, you know, they go for a run, they feel great. And then when they hit that, you know, obviously it happens different places for different people, but let's just say around that three or five mile mark, now stuff starts to hurt. My knee hurts, my Achilles hurts, you know, my back hurts, whatever it might be. So what we just found out is that fatigue is playing a role in your problem. So we know if, if everything is looking pretty good in the beginning and then it starts to creep up with you later on, we found a limit. So for you, if you know around five miles that things start to break down and you're trying to go for that six mile run or eight mile run, this is where we now have a problem. You're going to start to compensate and those last few miles are actually doing more harm than doing good. So we back off. So we know, okay, hey, we can, we're, we're fine within that three mile range. So let's get good at really good at three miles, right? And we can add other things in there. We can interval train, we can cross train, we can do a variety of different things. But I know if I push too fast um, or too long with that volume, problems start to occur. So I know you might have a, a you know, a, a 15 mile race coming up. We, we need to increase that volume, but I think there's better ways to do it for now, right? You want as much time as possible. So if you're telling me you have a month and you're at three miles, um, we're, we're not in a good place, right? So we want to make sure that we have time to get these uh, improvements here. So stick within your limits, but you can also try different things. So, uh, and I mentioned cross training, but what if we break your miles up and we do like double sessions or triple sessions? So if, if you're trying to get to 10 miles and right now we're, we're kind of stuck at three or four, you know, what if we did an AM run for three miles, something that you're comfortable with, and maybe a lunchtime run for a couple miles, and then an evening run for a couple miles. So I, I know it's probably annoying logistically to split it up like that, but it's a much safer way to add some volume, add some miles, um, and giving you a little bit of a break in between until we can get longer and longer runs in there. So hopefully this all makes sense, but I, I just want you to think, stay within your limits, train those you know, train that as hard as you can within those limits as you slowly start to, to push those limits away. But we're not pushing our limits by, you know, completely breaking through where we're causing problems. We're going to get uh, as much out of what we have right now. And I think a lot of benefits going to come from there. And just remember, when all else fails, we, we have variations we can implement. You know, we might hear the term lateralization where, you know, I can't barbell deadlift, but I can single leg a kettlebell deadlift or something like that. So I, I pick something that's similar, but just not quite the same that I feel more comfortable in and, and just stick with those, get really good at that and, and just accept the fact that, hey, there's certain exercises that probably just aren't good for you and you don't really need to be doing at all, right? Or at least not right now. So keep that in mind uh, when you're going through your next uh, program. All right, in this week's research review, we're gonna talk about stretching. And in particular, we're talking about static stretching. I know this is something we've talked about before on the podcast, but I wanna dive a little bit deeper on static stretching. Should you be doing it? A lot of people have this idea that it's kind of a bad thing. And I wanna go over some research and uh, look at kind of the, the, the history of what we believe with static stretching. 
Um, obviously, static stretching has been a lot around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. You know, we look at yoga and a lot of the benefits we see out of that. But then, you know, a few decades ago, research came out that really saw the detrimental side um, or negative impact of static stretching, in particularly on muscular strength and power. And I found a really good research review looking at a whole bunch of different research and to see, hey, is this idea that static stretching, especially pre-workout, is is a bad thing you know is this something we've we've kind of bought into and with research i have mentioned this before but i think it's bringing worth bringing up again that we've been fooled many times by research and uh, as my good friend brandon marcella will always say is research doesn't prove anything it merely suggests something maybe so and i always keep this in mind and when i review these different research articles on this podcast I always keep that in mind. I am just sharing some information that I think is interesting and it's something that we should maybe test out a little bit more if it's something that we haven't done before. So I want to keep that in mind because we've been fooled so many times when we we just, you know, in the fitness industry and nutrition industry, the, the pendulum swings pretty greatly, right? When we, we hear about something, we, we see this research study come out and we go all in 100% on this topic. And then a few years later, we find out, hey, you know what, that wasn't true. And this happens time and time again. So uh, it's important to look at multiple research studies over the years. And, you know, what do you personally see? And I think sometimes we can discount that, that, you know, just because there's no research on something, but you're seeing a positive benefit from it. That is something to keep in mind as well. So um, with this study, you know, like I said, we've, we've been told this idea, you, if you statically stretch before activity, it will reduce muscular strength and, and power. Uh, and it's something I think many of us, including myself have bought into. I remember back in my, you know, my track days, the coach telling me never stretch before, before you uh, jump, right? It's, it's going to decrease power. So it's something you should never you should never do, you know, warm up other ways, but never static stretching. And it's something, you know, I've used for a while and then kind of tested it out on my own. And, and again, looked at what different research articles say and, you know, kind of made my own opinion from there. So I thought this, this article did a good job just kind of explaining the, the different things here. So this idea that when you uh, stretch out a muscle tissue, and you're not just stretching the muscle tissue, you're stretching other things as well, the fascia, tendons, ligaments. So as you stretch it for a prolonged, prolonged period of time, it desensitizes that muscle, right? And that's why if, if you generally hold a stretch for a little while, you see it gets more relaxed and you'll be able to stretch a little bit further because there is a breaking system in the, in the nervous system that kind of prevents you from hurting yourself. So if you were to stretch a muscle really fast, there is this response to engage or tighten um, because it doesn't want you to rip the muscle right off the bone or tear it. So it, it naturally, it, it will engage. It's a reflex. Uh, if you hold that stretch long enough, though, that reflex will kind of numb. So it will eventually uh, desensitize. So it'll kind of give up, let go and allow the muscle to stretch more. Well, that's part of how we generate power, that, that stretch reflex. So if you desensitize it, it will... Um, reduce the power output 
from uh, that the muscle can produce. So there is truth to it. So this is that idea why some people say, hey, never static stretch before, <coughs> excuse me, before exercise. Um, but I think like most things, it really depends. And we have to look a little bit deeper to see is that necessarily the case. So let's let's look at some of the research that this um, that this article looked at. And it looked at a, a lot of different research. Uh, so I'm just going to highlight a few of them here. So, for example, uh, an older study, they uh, found that 13 sets of 135 seconds of static stretching we saw a decrease in strength levels. Uh, and the interesting thing was they saw not just immediate, so they looked uh, right away after stretching, you know, how much strength was lost. Uh, they found a 28% decrease immediately. After five minutes, 21% decrease. 15 minutes, 13% decrease. Uh, 30 minutes, 12%. 45 minutes, 10%. And even 60 minutes, an hour later, there was still a 9% decrease in strength levels. Now, keep in mind, that's a lot of stretching, right? 13 sets of 135 seconds for each stretch. So that's 30 minutes of just stretching and then trying to produce uh, force after that. So keep that in mind. Uh, another study looked at four sets of kind of a 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off stretching routine. Uh, decreased jump height by 3.5%. So not a huge drop, but there was definitely a decrease there. Uh, another review of this actually looked at 104 studies, uh, found an average drop in strength by 5.4% and uh, an average drop in power by 1.9% after static stretching anywhere from 86 to 314 seconds. So again, it looked at a lot of different studies and they were somewhere in that range. Uh, so again, similar con conclusion to all of these different studies would suggest static stretching should not be used as part of a warm-up routine. As we see, it clearly decreases strength and power. Now, um, if we look at some more recent studies, we find that this effect is really more, there's more of a dose response, right? So some of the studies that I just listed were static stretching for a very long time, right? So some well over a minute, they were holding a stretch. So if we look at some more research study that kind of challenged that idea. So one looked at uh, the effects of strength and power after 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and 120 seconds of stretching. And what they found was there was no effect with a 30-second stretch with a or a 60-second stretch. There was no decrease in strength or power, uh, but they did see a decrease with 120 seconds of stretching. Uh, another study, again, this is a, a research review. It looked at a total of 125 different studies, and they found that when stretches were held for uh, greater than 60 seconds, it did inhibit strength and power up to 4.6%. But when the stretches were held less than 60 seconds, they only saw a decrease in 1%. So again, keep this in mind. Is that a big deal? Is even 4.6% drop in strength and power a big deal to you? And we'll talk more about that. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But this is why it, the answer, you know, is static stretching bad? I don't know yet. Because just because it decreases power 4.6%, uh, is that is that a bad thing? And I think we have to keep in mind, after static stretching, you don't kill a muscle, right? It's not dead. We're just decreasing some of that sensitivity. So it may not be able to produce max power. So that's, you have to determine, is that important to you? or not. 
Now, the problem with all of these studies is they're in a laboratory, right? They're not practical, um, meaning we don't really see what you're seeing in these studies. Um, at least I don't think. Maybe, maybe you do, but I don't think many people are stretching and then going right into uh, an exercise or jumping as high as they can or whatever it might be. I think more often we see static stretching as part of a warm-up. So it's just one piece of it. So there are studies that argue that side of it where they look at, okay, well, if you statically stretch, if there is any decrease in, in power or strength, can you kind of bring it back if you're doing a, a, a more of a dynamic, as you know, more of a part of a, a full warm-up routine? So one study wanted to look specifically at that. So they wanted to look at the effects that static stretching had um, if it was just one piece of a dynamic warm-up. So they would do, you know, uh, their, their mobility work, dynamic movement, uh, light plyometrics, you know, activation drills, things like that, you know, kind of what you see in a more complete warm-up. And again, what they found was when they held uh, stretches from, you know, relatively short time, 30 to 60 seconds, they saw an increase in range of motion, which is an important note I want to make. So in as little as 30 seconds and up to a minute, they saw range of motion get um, bigger, which is kind of why we would do static stretching in the first place. But they saw no reduction in strength or power there. And this is, you know, just one study, but there are multiple ones kind of looking at that same effect. So if you statically stretch, but then kind of do more movement prep after it, you're, see, you're getting the best of both worlds. You're seeing an increase in mobility. You're seeing not a decrease in power. And oftentimes you're seeing a reduction in injury after static stretching. So I think we need to kind of consider all of these different things. So the, the, you know, the question that we started off with is should you statically stretch before exercise? And like I said, the answer is still, it depends. It could be helpful for some and it may not for others. And you have to really think about what's the most important thing for you. If you're a high level athlete and you need every inch, you know, every degree of power that you could possibly produce, then you're going to question, do you really need static stretching in there? But if we look at what a lot of the research is saying, uh, short duration, so holding stretches for, you know, 30 seconds or even under a minute doesn't seem to affect uh, strength and power. Uh, or at least not very much. So you could always keep the short short duration stretching, still get an increase in mobility, um, use it as a part of your warm-up. But remember, that's just one piece of your warm-up routine. You shouldn't just be static stretching, right? You should be doing a whole bunch of different things. Now, if you're an individual who maybe doesn't move well, you're tight, you know, hips are tight, shoulders are height, tight, and, and you're trying to do intense workout, well, now I think we have a change in priority because your your priority is you need to move better, right? You need better movement in the joints, the, the hips, the shoulders, the ankles, whatever it might be. And static stretching seems to be very effective for increasing range of motion. Again, not the only piece, but one piece to the puzzle that I don't think you want to just skip over because we've heard static stretching before exercises is not a great thing. So keep this in mind. What are your priorities? You know, what are the big things you need to be working on? Is uh, mobility, injury reduction, are those pieces? Uh, then, yeah, you probably want to consider doing some static stretching. Just know we need to make it part of a complete warm-up there. 
Uh, if you're a high-level athlete who needs max power, max force production, you know, consider that as well. Uh, but, you know, race day, I think things will change a little bit versus maybe uh, prep work and training. So I want to keep that in mind too. You know, if it's my pre-race, pre-race routine, I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing a whole lot of static stretching. Um, it's going to be more dynamic stuff. Um, not that I think it's necessarily a bad thing, but again, it, it's we want as much as uh, as much strength as much power as possible so i just want to keep that in mind so uh things to consider but again as as you know i mentioned different research articles i always want you to question it and and look for your own own research to see is is this holding up over time are we seeing some research that um is saying the opposite effect you know we have to take into account all these different things and uh this is just one that i always see pop up on on hey you should never do it and Kind of one of those things. Never say never. There's there's always a time and place for most things. So we'll keep that in mind. So ultimately, it's it's what do you think is going to be best for uh, your body? Static stretching before or after or before or not? Uh, I don't think it's a clear cut answer. It's something that uh, we all have to really look at. What is going to give us the most benefit there? All right, well, it's time for this episode's interview. And today I have on Francis Generelli. He's the owner of Mud Sweat Tears CrossFit in Verona, New Jersey. Uh, a little bit about him. He's qualified and competed in all three Spartan World Championships in Iceland and Sweden and taking a second place in age group in 2019. He's also a, a death race finisher and go ruck t- uh, team assessment finisher as well. Uh, Francis, how you doing? Good. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks so much for joining. I'm looking forward to chatting with you on on a couple different topics today. Yeah, super excited. Yeah. So uh, as one gym owner to another, I definitely want to start with how are things going for you right now with uh, obviously it's been an insane year for everybody, <laughs> but gym owners are, yeah. are uh, just dealing with some stuff. So how's it been going? It, it, good. Uh, I mean, listen, you, you were forced to pivot, right? Uh, we we, you know, we closed, we, closed, we shut down when we had to, but we haven't, we haven't stopped um, a day. We went virtual, virtual to one-on-one, one-on-one to outside workouts, outside workouts to limited capacity. Um, we just kept moving. Every, every time we, we, we met a barrier, we're like, all right, how can we get around this? How can we get over this? How can we just keep going? Um, our, our clients are amazing. We have a, our community is second to none. Um, you know, we, we've been able to, to push through this whole thing. Uh, and now that everyone's picking up that, we're seeing a big uptick with people. Um, we take a lot of phone calls from people that actually have been shut-ins this whole time. We're like, we're talking a year and change now. People that are like, you know, just finally starting to come out of their houses now, trying to get into fitness. So it's, um, we're doing good. We're doing good. You know, it's, it's been a struggle, but it's, uh, it's a labor of love, right? I mean gotta keep moving along yeah absolutely i know you know we've been doing the same thing like shut down but we didn't stop and i think you said it all right there with community those that had already established a good community i don't i'm not gonna say any of this was easy but you had an easier (laughs) time right like you Yes, yes you had that family and just like you know your blood family they people take care of you and you take care of them and and uh so i'm glad glad to hear are you guys open fully now? Is it still restricted? What's it like out there? So uh, we've 
We've always limited class sizes. Um, so we're, we're back to what we usually nor- we, we used to normally operate at, which most, most gyms are, are at a, a, a restricted capacity. Um, are, we always kept our capacity low. We always had the philosophy that once you, we, once you reach a certain point about a minute, amount of me- uh, members in a gym, you're not coaching anymore, right? You're just mm-hmm. mitigating a disaster. There's only so many people that you can look at at one time. Like, and then all of a sudden someone just, just, just wrenched their back doing a deadlift and you missed it because you're looking at these 30 other people, right? Um, so, no, we're, we're back to what our normal capacity was, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. So, Awesome. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So, yeah. uh, well, let's let's get into some, some topics I wanted to talk to you about. And I wanted to start with, uh, you know, some things I mentioned in your intro with some of these kind of big accomplishments of, you know, ultra, you know, ultra in general, but ultra world championship qualifier and finishing second, which is, you know, I, I think a huge deal. Uh, and then also a death race finisher. So let's talk, let's talk death race first. We've, we've briefly talked about it on this podcast, but not a whole, a whole lot. Give us a quick rundown of what, what do you, what is the death race? What are you going to expect from something like that? expect the unexpected <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, it, it, it's um listen it, it pays to be a winner until it doesn't um it, it's 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 very much it's, it's life like life is unfair right um you you could be winning you do an amazing job and all of a sudden they'll throw 100 pounds on your back like hey you're doing a great job they'll drag this 100 pounds with you good good for you for being leader of the pack you know what i mean it's just mm-hmm. you it, it's um it, it, it tests you, it tests you, it pushes to what your, you think your limits are and, and it, it just helps you push past that uh, to find the new person you are at the end. Um, hold on one second. Sorry about that. No, no yeah, there you're back in. Um, so it helps you uh, find this new person at the end. Uh, it, it's um, expect the unexpected. I, I, I couldn't, <laughs> yeah, I, I've done it. I've done the virtual one. Uh, I couldn't, I, I'm no, I'm no more well-versed in it than, than somebody else doing it for the first time. It's, it's expect the unexpected. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of makes it so unique and so interesting is that you're not sure what you're even getting into in the first place. Yeah. So uh, from a training perspective, like what, what like kind of goes through your mind with like, what, what do I even start with to train for this? So, so that, that, that's where we can actually start getting into the meat of it. Right. So right off the gate, right off the gate, you know that you're going to, you're going to be wearing a rucksack with X amount of load in it. Right. So start, start doing weighted carries, right. You know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be walking for long distances. So, so start, you know, taking up your, your distance training while, while under load. Right. Um, you know, go take, go get a job as, as a landscaper, because you know what, you're going to be, you're going to be moving stones. You're going to be getting your hands dirty. You're going to be digging in the dirt with your bare hands. Do that's you know typical stuff you just can't learn in a gym, right? I I can I can teach you functional fitness and we can do work. We can work endurance and all that kind of stuff, but uh, to get you wet and sandy to roll you around in the dirt and the mud, you can't replicate that. And so it's um it, you have to go out and be uncomfortable. Uh, you know a lot of the stuff I would do is I I restricted myself. I was allowed to have cold showers for a year. Um, you know, just one of those things where if you, if you want to do something terrible, then you have to kind of live a little bit of a terrible life to prepare yourself for that. Um, and even at that, right. I, I had done all these things and you can do all these things, but you get out there and all of a sudden the carpet gets ripped off from underneath you and, and it's, uh, you know, it's totally changed, but, uh, you know, listen, a big CrossFitter, avid, avid, uh, believer in functional fitness, uh, weighted carries, all that kind of stuff. Go out, learn how to chop some wood, right. Learn how to use an ax, learn how to use an ax the right way. Uh, cause you're going to be doing a lot of stuff like the, the mountain men kind of stuff, uh, learn how to start a fire, 
learn how to source water, um, survival skills, right? Learn how to learn how to use a needle and thread, learn how to sew things. So like at the end of the day, if you kind of line all these things up, learn how to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Basic, basic life skills that a lot of people just don't have. Start to educate yourself on stuff like that. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, I, and, and just like you said, it's, these are not things, uh, I mean, obviously being in the gym and having a strength level and being able to move a certain yes. way are, are all great things. But like you said, these are things that you just have to get out there and, and start to figure out and do and do weird stuff and <laughs> do where <laughs> yes. it takes you kind of thing. Um, yes. but I just, in general, like whether you're training for something like this or just life in general, I, I like the idea of getting uncomfortable and, and I think a lot of people, you know, we hear that a lot, right? Get uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable and all those things. But I think a lot of people bring it right to like being in the gym and uncomfortable, right? Like you lift until it's burning. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with that. But sure, that obviously that has its place. But I think what you're saying is a lot more than that, right? It's we've become oh, very yeah. comfortable and how we can incorporate things to make it a little bit life a little bit harder is going to go a long way. Absolutely. And it, it, like you said, it doesn't end at the gym. You have to take it out to the next level. Like I said, restrict yourself from cold showers. You like caffeine, cut yourself off from caffeine, no boobs, right? Like this, take everything that's fun and get rid of it. Like if you're training, if you, you, what's your goal? Are you training for this uh, world championship race? Are you training for this death race? You've got six months to a year to train for it. Well, guess what? That next, that whole six months to a year are going to be terrible make them the worst six months to a year of your life that way when you get out there you're a monster right you're sharp uh you 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 emit this aura that people are just terrified to be around you because you're dangerous at this point right you're just a monster and then once it's done you're like oh all right cold shower give me a cup of coffee <laughs> hey, yeah let's eat lots of food um you know delayed gratification right if you want to bring it break it down to its simplest form it's delayed gratification so stay take everything away from yourself strip yourself of everything that you enjoy um, and to, to make life terrible and to get through that terrible situation. It'll make you a lot more dangerous, make you a lot more ready. And then yes, absolutely incorporate the gym. You need that strength training, uh, the conditioning, all that kind of stuff. If you're into CrossFit, that's, that's amazing. Love you. Uh, if you're into other kind of physics, that's okay too. You, but you have to have some kind of regular, uh, strength and conditioning regimen as well on top of all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, and I think that that's kind of, um, important in, in whatever you're training for, right. Whatever distance race or whatever. Right. I think a lot of people get so caught up in the gym and, you know, a lot of us like probably raised gym rats where it's like, yeah, that's just what you did. You lifted, you felt good and, right. and you did it more and more, but right. then you realize, you know what, like we see the guys that, you know, are just huge, you know, big muscles can do some impressive things in the gym, but watch them go sprint. Or run a mile. Right, they're done. <laughs> yeah. And I yes. think, I think that's what gravitated a lot of people towards like, uh, obstacle course racing in general is you can't, you can't be, um, yeah, specifically good at one thing. We, we need a little bit of everything and yeah, you, again, you can do a lot in the gym, but how much more when you start incorporating other stuff in there as well. Right. Right. Awesome. So let's move on to, uh, the ultra. So it's, I don't even want to say the same idea because it's at least there's a plan now, right? You know what to expect. So again, just for our listeners who maybe aren't quite as familiar, how does the world championships differ from just uh, if I'm going to go sign up for an ultra and, and get out there and do one, get my belt? So, so typically with the world championships is they like to place it someplace that's 
horrible. So uh, the first two years were in Iceland and they did it the time of year when there was no daylight, right? So first of all, right at the gate, you've got 24 hours of darkness, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you're, you're at a deficit right there because mentally, right? Mentally, we're programmed to think, okay, sun's gone down, time to go to bed. I don't need any more. I close my eyes and go to sleep, right? So you're, you're, you're punching past that mental barrier right out the gate, right? Um, Iceland's cold. That time of the year is freezing cold. The, the, the wind is re- relentless and it, and they, they weather changes in it so it could be a monsoon of rain and all of a sudden it's snowing you're in the middle of a blizzard uh ice the winds just hit you the wind actually traveled so fast there that it like would break the ground so nothing would grow um so they they, they, so it's not only like yeah we're gonna run for 24 hours you're gonna try to get in as much mileage as you can but then they're gonna throw the element at you as well um and the same thing in ra sweden ra it was it was the middle of the winter it was unforgiving blizzards i mean you couldn't couldn't see your hand in front of your face at some points uh, you know, ice everywhere. So it's like some of it's like, you know, like, you, like when you say you have to like run through streams or through mud and stuff, it's unrunnable. This was all like, there were good portions where it's just unrunnable because you're, you're going through sheets of ice. Um, so they, they, they take now that they mess with you mentally, they mess with you physically, then they throw the elements at you. It's they really, really try to up their game on the, uh, the, the world championship kind of stuff, which is amazing, right? It, it, for, it forces you to step outside your comfort zone and train hard, right? And you can tell the people that train, for being in awful environments, they made it. They made it through the 24. The people that did not train for awful environments, they you know, just unfortunately didn't make it as long as everybody else. Yeah. So it's the train. So, and then this year, um, my, you know, I, I'm sure the, the conditions are still going to be bad, but it'll be interesting to see how that compares being in the US versus. Uh, so, so conditions are bad and now we're at elevation. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, what are you going to do? So if you, if you've done any kind of elevation training, right, it's, it's hard to breathe. It's like you're breathing through, through a straw. They uh, lay all this stuff out in advance. So like, all right, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to make it run for 24 hours. But what, 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 they're just keeping adding layers. How worse can we make this? What, what else can, what are the roadblocks can we, yeah, great. We're going to have a going over an eighth wall. Fine. That's amazing. But what can we throw it? Yeah. Let's put it in elevation. Let's make it hard for them to breathe. Right. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, you know, let's make them train harder, which is mm-hmm. amazing. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really even levels the playing field. Absolutely. And especially at a distance like that, it, it's not just about, I mean, obviously natural skill, that, that natural ability, you get yes. a little bit of an advantage on any yes. sport you're going to do. But I feel like in a race like this, it does even like you can train specifically for this and get a huge advantage if you do it the right way. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yep. You have to keep focus, keep your eye on the prize. And absolutely you'll, you'll, you're, you'll do amazing out there. Yeah. Okay. So in the world championship format, it's going to be, um, so we're not going the, you know, whatever it is now, the, um, marathon distance it's 24 hours 20, 24 hours uh typically you know spartan will put a purse on there for whoever gets the most mileage or whoever broke you know the full set of uh, marker usually it's like 100 miles uh and they'll set a marker on there but typically you know with something like this it's as many miles you can rack up um hours and it's so the clock is ticking the clock is against you it's you know you want to do quick pits you know usually it's uh, sometimes they have good in r8 it was like a three to four mile loop uh, iceland it was a little bit shorter but you're just running loops you're running loops, you're running loops all night long that's right um man you get a chance to pit and if there's your opportunity you can cram some food in your face and then go or you can lay down and sleep and take a long rest but there's the clock's ticking yeah. The clock's ticking and here you are, you know, I, I'm from Jersey, right? So I, I just flew from Jersey to Iceland. Am I going to use my time to sleep, right? <laughs> or, or am I going to just eat real fast and then figure it out 
out on the course, right? I'm going to figure it out there because I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back to Jersey and say I had an amazing nap in the middle of the race <laughs> in Iceland. It was great. You know, it's, it's refreshing. No, yeah. you're going to, you got to go out there. You got, you got to keep moving. So it's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's just many miles you can get. You just keep doing loops. Clocks, clocks constantly ticking clocks against you. Yeah. And uh, do they do any, any like surprises or is it pretty much the same loop every single time? Do they change anything up or anything like that? Uh, no, same loop every time, but they, they think what, uh, I think after midnight or after you've been out, there's like a certain hour. I forget what they do is actually um, they're, they're, they cut the burpees in half. I think they get you down to 15 burpees versus 30 burpees for obstacle, which is nice. It's a gimme, right? You're, you're yeah. a mess at that point anyway. So even three burpees is tough. Um, yeah. So yeah, they do, they do change that. I think it's around the 12 hour mark uh, that they cut the burpees in half. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty unique uh, versus a regular race. It's a passport system. So you, uh, you actually have a passport attached to you. And so if you fail, if you complete an obstacle, they put a punch car, uh, they put a punch in it, but if you don't complete an obstacle, you got no punches. So you hand that in at the end. So now you're at the halfway point and they're like, all right, it's great. You can go in and eat. Or before you go in and eat, you owe me a hundred burpees. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know what I mean? It, it's, uh, it, it's a pretty cool system, but at the, at the same time, it's a, it's a little defeating as well. Cause you know, you're like right there, but you can't stop until you, you know, pay a, a gigantic burpee penalty. Yeah, um, yeah. but no, no, uh, they don't really change up the obstacles or anything like that. Everything's just the same. Okay. Well, I have to ask you then, uh, if you remember uh, about how many burpees personally, are you going through in, in these races? Uh, so um, I did, I did my first year in Iceland with a torn road hair cuff. So Ooh. I did uh, thousands, thousands of one-arm burpees. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even, couldn't even tell you. Did yeah. a little bit better the next year. And then actually in, in uh, RA Sweden, I think I only went up doing about 60 burpees. Um, nice. There was just two, just two uh, laps that I went up failing uh, Olympus. I just couldn't hold on to it anymore. Uh, but after that, I mean, that, that's, that's the difference, right? That's the difference between being on a podium and not being on a podium, right? It, it's how, how can we shave time run so fast, right? So if we're not picking up speed, then we need to be more efficient in the obstacles, cutting up those burpees because 30 burpees can take five minutes or it can take 20 minutes, depending on fatigue you are, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, um, it's rather do the slower obstacle and complete it. So yeah, that, it, it was, uh, Ari was a much better performance. Yeah. Sounds overall. like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, I'm curious what your, your strategy is then going in. So a race like this, obviously there's probably a million different strategies we, we need to think about, but sure. if it's, um, okay, I need, did you go in with a specific, like, I I'd like to hit this many miles uh, or was it, I just want to, I don't care. I just want to go. I'm going to only rest this much. Or what was kind of your thought process just kind of before the race, at least. So I try, I try not to set mileage goals only because if we, if we, if we set the bar too low, right, we may start to get close to that number and kind of give up. Like, all right, man, I'm going to go into this and let's say I'm going to hit 10 miles, right? You're five miles in, you got plenty of time left. You're like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to slow down. I'm super close to my goal. I'm going to make it. I'm going to walk away from this thing. I got my 10 miles. It'll be happy, right? So it's a little bit of complacency, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if you set the bar too high, right? Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get hundred miles on this thing. I'm going to kill it. And then all of a sudden you get your 10 miles in and you got like no time left. Like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to give up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, and then despair, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to downward spiral to despair. Um, so typically I will not, I will, I'll not go into it with a mileage goal. I'll go into it with the mindset that I'll go quick picks. Mm-hmm. No more, no, no more than 20 minutes in pit in and out. Got to go. If I have to change my clothes, I'll change them out on the mountain. I'll always have a fresh, fresh change on me. 
Um, anything I'll do, I'll, 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 just the goal is to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And then once I'm out, so I, I usually I typically do these races with my wife. Um, she'll, she'll be my pit crew. She's amazing. She holds me together. She pushes me back out to, uh, keep hurling my body into the void, but she'll, she'll start to tell me, Hey, say, listen, you know, look at you're almost on the leaderboard. If you move a little bit faster. So then I'll be like, I'll, I'll use that. I'll be like, I'll wake myself up. Like, all right, now, now I'll start setting goals because I see something's achievable in front of me. But, uh, no, the goal really is just to not stop not stop, be efficient, relentless forward progression, right? Um, Dr. J just keep moving. doesn't have to be fast. doesn't have to be pretty. You just got to keep moving. That's the typically we'll go in with. So, um, and I like that idea too, where, cause that's, again, this is life where you can have the best plan ever, but then you get there and (laughs) never survives first contact. (laughs) Exactly. Right. You get what happens when you get punched in the face and uh, you got to figure it out from there. But so, and I'm not saying don't have no plan, but I like the idea be, my, be ready to be ready to change it on the fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's overall what I'm thinking, but also no, yeah, stuff can can absolutely happen. Uh, so yeah. did you like? It, so it sounds like you didn't sleep. It was just kind of rest and go, rest and go, and rest um, and go. If you really wanted to sleep, are there even options, or is it just kind of curl up into a ball and just just find? There, there is always a way, right? There's always, so yeah. I mean, I remember a couple of years in uh, the tears in Iceland. You're you're running through this one section that was like basically a sulfur field, like it's like Jurassic Park, man. So you're like freezing cold, freezing cold, and all of a sudden it's like 90 degrees. You're running through this sulfur field. It's like volcanic uh, steam and everything coming out of the ground, and everybody's all curled up on the ground sleeping. They're all like in the fields. Yeah. I was like, they found the, the warmest area in the middle of this like, <laughs> Jurassic Park, and they're sleeping in this sulfur field um so to to your question yes you you can find a way <laughs> you can find yeah. a, you can find a place to sleep yeah uh, be it yeah. out be it out on the course or uh or in the pit you can find some place to do it but again yeah. you're you're gonna be on that you're gonna be on that plane trip home you're gonna replay and all that kind of stuff in your head and be like man i wish i didn't do that yeah and you can't go you can't take it back you can't go back so it's uh seize the moment you know enjoy yeah. the view keep moving yeah absolutely that makes total sense um so if you're planning on doing a race like this, let's, let's say, I guess kind of either, you already t- talked about the death race, but let, let's say you're planning for a 24 hour race, like the ultra, what, let's say you have a, some kind of fitness background, right? You've maybe, mm-hmm. but never have done something like, what would you say? Ideally, I would like to have this much time with you to get you ready. Uh, so, I mean, if we're, if we're training for a, a world championship, hundred mile race, long distance, I'd like, I'd like to live with you for six months. Let's really dig into this. Um, listen, if you're amazing and, and, and like, you know, have a pretty good background and done these kind of things before you can throw yourself into it unprepared and kind of have like a mediocre approach. But if you really want to get into it, it's something we're very new to. And we have a couple ultras under your belt, six months, six months of dedicated training. Um, you know, it just starts out with, you know, your diet, you've got nutrition, mm-hmm. regular training schedule, running, gear right you could mm-hmm. you could have the ama- most amazing race in the whole wide world or you could be you'd be physically fit ready to go and if you, your sneakers give up on you or we didn't bring enough layers to stay warm your gear you really get your gear really be your limiting factor right you're strong and you're amazing but you don't have, you don't have enough jackets to stay dry you know what i mean so it's yeah. these are all things that you, you got to go through with the training and how to eat um pushing past mental barriers like a lot of time in ultra people will they'll, they'll get to their second lap and they'll be like, you know what? I'm doing amazing right now. I know I should eat, but I'm not gonna, because it's going to slow me down. If it's going to take me five minutes to eat these peanut butter and jelly, but I'd rather be out there running, but you know what? Three hours later, 
when you start to get a deficit and you're like, crap, I should have ate that peanut butter jelly, but now I'm dying. And so you can cram that sandwich in your mouth at that point, but it, it's, it's a hard hole to dig out of, right? You've just gotten yourself into a lot of trouble and it's hard to get out of it. So it's um, even just dietary, when to eat, how to eat, how to force feed yourself um, just to stay successful and stay on top. I always tell, I tell all my clients, ultra eats its babies. Uh, ultra doesn't care about you. It's a, it's a different animal. Uh, it doesn't care if you win or lose. It'll still be an ultra without you. So you have to be just that more dangerous and that more prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And and couldn't agree more on that nutrition piece you're talking about where I've made that mistake where it's like, I'm good. I'll, I'll, I can make it through. And you yeah. get to the point where you're like, nope. And Famous I'll, last I'll, words. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's only another eight miles to the finish line. I can do that. No big deal. And then I'm walking it because I just can't, can't go anymore. So yeah, yeah you're a zombie, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, amazing advice right yeah, there. It's just, you stay with the plan and you get it down because you're in trouble otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So, uh, I wanted to ask you, I love this question. Just you fill in the blank for me. So <laughs> <laughs> if, all right, go ahead. If, if everyone would just do blank, they would see massive improvements in their performance. CrossFit. All right. <laughs> awesome. That was that was a softball. Thank you. I, I, I know. That. I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I never know what I'm going to hear, so it's always good. Good to just throw it out there. Um, all right. So uh, if uh, let's just say just racing in general, I have a newbie. You know, somebody never no idea they're going to do their first first race ever uh you know what's if you do this one thing you're going to be all right and other than crossfit <laughs> uh so i mean it, getting into our first part in learning how to run properly okay i mean and not even just just running and running for distance learning how to run properly the mechanics how to land our feet our posture right this is a lot of things you see like in this it, discussion we have a lot is uh and it, it stems from our youth is no one ever teaches you how to run right when you're in, in high school sports or grade school sports coaches say go run some sprints right go go do some laps how how sh how should i how should i land my foot any of you like your feet your feet are slamming on your ground you hear all these kids running properly and stuff if anything if there's one one piece of advice to get you out there you know, they crossfit it's amazing yeah. but yeah. it's um how, how to run how to run properly there's a, a tons of amazing resources out there um educate educate yourself on how to run yeah that will stave off a lot of a lot of injuries that you know probably you see a lot of uh, it bands are messed up a lot of hip flexors ankle mobility is rough a lot of people just they're, they're like a lot of plantar fasciitis um, and a lot of that can be saved off if people just learn how to run properly find a good yeah. running coach and learn how to run properly yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great advice. Uh, what's, what's the favorite obstacle of yours? Anything hanging. So uh, rope climbs, rig, uh, you know, this is it's super fun stuff, but you get guitars in, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, like Indiana Jones. I love anything like that. Um, hate weighted carries, hate it. Uh, uh, anything uh, jumping and going over thing, hate that kind of stuff. I'm not really, right. uh, I'm really good at bounding, not really good at landing on my feet. Uh, but uh, rope climbs and rigs, that kind of stuff. We found awesome. that stuff. Yeah, right, awesome. And then you answer my next question with least favorite. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> bucket it was in bucket. Like it was a ga game changer when they let us put the lids on the buckets. That uh, mm -hmm. that was huge for me. But even at that, man, listen, I'm strong and I'm fast. But it's just like you put you put some resistance on me, and it's just yeah. a totally different person. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, well, awesome. Well, uh, if anybody has any questions for you, wants to reach out, learn more about you, where would be a good place for them to to go? 
uh, and find me um, at the fat cheetah or um, at mud underscore tears, uh, mud underscore sweat underscore tears underscore one <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> DM me on either one of those and okay. I'll get right back to you. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll put that in our uh, show notes for this episode too, for, for anyone who wants to check it out there. Uh, well, Very coach, cool. thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your knowledge. This was, this was awesome. No, definitely. It was always amazing talking to you. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 78 of the OCR Underground Show. I hope you picked up a few uh, nuggets that'll help you with your training for your next OCR. Uh, I wanted to give a big uh, special thanks to my guest, Coach Francis, and all the insight that he gave us and gave you. I hope it was uh, helpful for your training, as well as our sponsors, uh, Vengas CBD and Fitbar. If you want to check out uh, more about our guests, our sponsors, if anything else mentioned in the show, make sure you check out the show notes. Uh, you'll find it at ocrunderground.com slash episode 78, and you'll find all the resources mentioned in the show. Uh, that's it for this time. Until next time, keep training smarter.